Scarecrow, son? No. I was hoping you were. We'll be seeing you. Would you like that? Every time you make your ma cry, you kill an angel. I make my ma cry all the time. Sometimes I just look at her and she cries. Any vampires around these parts, Pa? Wouldn't be at all surprised. theater and the usher nods me in they know me here i descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about the door at the bottom opens and i walk in the sound of movie spoilers fill the air the barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back the rest of the crew are here already this is my type of place and these are my type of people Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And we are live. Here we are in the spoiler room. Thank you, everyone, for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair, and joining us as we talk movie spoilers. It is a new month. Happy May Day. It is May, which, you know, that means that it's uh, outdoor fucking season, according to John Colton. Uh, <laughs> have you not heard that song before? Really, the no. the, May, the May song. <clears throat> oh, you no. got it's it's quite vulgar, but anyway. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tonight, yes, folks, we are kicking off our uh, theme for May, which is skin flicks, but not those type of skin flicks. Get your mind out of the gutter. Or, or put it in the gutter. I don't care, but speaking of the gutter, look who's with me tonight in the gutter. <laughs> it is none other than the one and only 
Mr. Ian Simmons. How you doing, Ian? Doing great. Going to get to talk about this movie tonight. <laughs> the month is off to a wonderful start, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> the reflecting. Yes, we are talking the reflecting skin from 1990, uh, starring a number of people, including Vigo Mortensen shows up. And uh, we will be joined by Kara soon. Uh, she will be joining us. So she's going to. Ah, and there she is. Look at that. Speak. Speak of the devil or the devilless or the. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, that's an entrance. Hello, Kara. How are you? Doing okay. Oh, great to have you. Uh, <laughs> Ian did go running scared. So he, uh, he, he is still with us tonight after watching. Tonight's film, which is The Reflecting Skin, as I said, 1990. Yes, all month, folks, we are looking at films that have the word skin in the title. So it's not skin flicks like you think. It's skin flicks with skin in the title, which actually was kind of fun to put together because we have a variety of genres this month that we're going to be covering. Tonight, though, is American Dark Gothic something or other. <laughs> horror i guess that's certainly a way to describe it <laughs> oh this is gonna be interesting uh and you know what uh cara if you wouldn't mind we will spare ian uh try to give the synopsis for the reflecting skin okay um this one's a weird one to describe because it's um I don't want to say it's avant-garde, but it, it definitely has, definitely, I don't want to say neo-noir, but there's definitely some, especially with the, the pervert aspect, some investigative qualities and some surrealism in the fact that it's just, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. You don't quite really know exactly what's what. There's, there's a lot of weirdness. It, it has a lot of dark qualities. I like how it's very open and they let the, the viewer um, decide for themselves and piece the story together. And I know that's not much of a synopsis. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it, not set in the 1950s in rural America, even though this is a BBC production. Uh <laughs> I know. I think I confused Ian more than he probably was watching it. <laughs> um, we have we have a uh, we have a, a small community, still rural in the fifties. So they're 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 not exactly with the modern times, so to speak. Especially these folks who are uh, not exactly well off. And we have a kid, and it's basically told from his perspective, Seth Dove. And uh, we see a lot of weird crap happening. And he thinks there's a widow who he thinks is a vampire. Uh, there's kids disappearing. There's uh, talk of angels. There's a fetus. There's uh, <laughs> all kinds of wild things going on. And, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to getting the perspective of my viewers because I... I Upon watching this, one of my motivations for watching this, in all honesty, is uh, one of the brothers of my really good friend, Jim, who, uh, you know, they're kind of like my brothers because I've known them for 30 plus years. Anyway, he saw this film once and he goes, 
this film is fucked up. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had never really sat down to watch it. It was one of those where I got to just see how crazy this, I got it. And I never really sat down and watched it. And that's why when uh, we got under the skin for this month, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, we're watching this one. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'd, I'd say this one definitely crawls under the skin. <laughs> it, 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 it's referred to as a dark American gothic film, which I would say gothic is is kind of fitting, you know, American gothic type style. Uh, but yeah, uh, so Kara, uh, we'll go with you first. You're, you're, you, we got a little bit of your synopsis in your synopsis there. How you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I. I slaughtered the intro of your show. No, you did not. You did not at all. But uh, what were your initial your initial feelings with this when the the credits rolled? Um, the the thing that really got me was the because I was I guess I went into it being too analytical with okay the reflecting skin so I was expecting symbology with skin um so i was expecting to to figure out okay well how does the title make sense so the first thing i noticed is okay well we've got the frogs glistening skin mm -hmm. and i um i kind of figured what they were going to do with that straw <laughs> but then as soon as i saw the um oh darn i forget what it's called the hmm. i should know what it's called the the toy that oh. they used to explode the frog. Oh, the the uh, the um, slingshot. Slingshot. Yeah, I yeah. I can't believe I forgot what it was called. <laughs> no, that's okay. But uh, as soon as I saw that, my first thought was, "Oh no!" And um, I I was tweeting about this. All my notes are are over there. I don't have them <laughs> with me. But my my first thought is, especially as I was watching it, I'm like, "This movie is full of a bunch of oh no moments." And. <laughs> mm. As as I was watching it, I kind of came to realize I'm like, that's that's foreshadowing the fact that the woman was attacked at the beginning of the film, and I didn't realize. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. She she's pranked and attacked, but covered in frog's blood. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah, that that what a way to open a movie is a woman yeah. gets uh, covered in frog's blood from a prank where. They blow up this huge frog and and explode it on someone, and then it just gets weirder. From <laughs> yeah, um, especially what was it that one scene with the, I guess it was the women. They were they were praying over that that pigeon, the dead pigeon. Oh yeah, the the two twins who made by mm -hmm. making twin making bird noises with the dead pigeon for just whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> Ian, you don't hate yeah. me for us watching this, do you? <laughs> no. I think you guys both missed what this movie actually is. It's a, it's a, it's a meta film. Mm -hmm. um, it's It starts off as a body swap comedy uh, <laughs> where Terrence Malick and Tommy Wiseau switch places. And then the the main occupying body gets hit by a truck, and that spirit <laughs> takes over David Lynch the night before he begins filming Twin Peaks. <laughs> and this is the meta. This is the movie that came out of that whole scenario. I was gonna say that it's like Terrence, Ter <laughs> Terrence Malick and uh, David Lynch uh, 
morphed into one another and you know decide they got drunk one night and decided to write this movie <laughs> right but then you have to throw in the was angle because well, the yeah. acting is uh, <laughs> aside from lindsey duncan who is a treasure uh, I mean, not even Vigo Mortensen, Mortensen comes out of this thing unscathed. But I mean, he's young. He, he, oh, does, young. he does all right, but there are uh. things that he's called upon to do and ways that he's called upon to do them that I was I was embarrassed watching him, I frankly. I thought he was a doo-doo in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> a doo-doo? Oh, like performance-wise or character-wise? His, <laughs> his character. I mean, he was the main reason I was curious about this, and then I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, I have to check this out. And then I, I didn't like... Um, his character i'm like you know what you're you're just you're not a very good person i don't like you sir <laughs> i don't either and it, but it's so confusing because i don't know who his character really is because he's kind of he shows up like halfway through the movie he's mm -hmm. talked about as like the the soldier who's you know away at the i guess it would have been the korean war at well, this he, point he's his brother yeah right but but mm -hmm. what i'm saying is like mm -hmm the the main kid seth the little boy <clears throat> is stuck at home with these two you know parents mom is like a real you know taskmaster. dad is kind of like he he runs the gas station that or slash garage that's kind of on their property and he's sort of aloof likes reading his you know vampire adventure magazines i guess mm -hmm. uh so the kid is always talking about like looking up to his older brother who's you know gonna be coming home from the war soon so it's like this anticipating thing, like, well, big hero's going to come. And then what mm -hmm. happened to, happens to the dad happens to the dad. So it's really important that the brother shows oh, up. Oh, yeah. But then when Cam, Viggo Mortensen's character, shows up, he is kind of like supportive and, and nurturing. But very quickly, and I guess that's maybe one of the themes of the movie, is he, he encounters this dolphin blue which is Lindsay duncan's yeah. character's name and i guess she bewitches him and then he becomes a real jerk and starts attacking his brother and uh, all hell kind of breaks loose i guess that's supposed to be like she corrupted him or something but I, there's not enough time between like hey this is this strange lady in town to i love her i love her slap you know like, oh, no yeah, I mean, it's it's complex. There's a lot of layers to it. I mean, everybody has their own um, their own uh, mental weight that they're carrying. Um, but the the conclusion I came to just really quick, if I can um, digress yeah. um, um, in regards to the film's title, is the conclusion I came to is there's really no symbology to the the skin itself. I'm like I, the conclusion I came to is. I'm like, oh, the reflecting skin. I'm like, well, duh, it's recall, it's memory. It's kind of like, it all comes down to, it's kind of like, well, to to reflect. I mean, like, especially that one scene with, um, was it I, uh, Dolphin Blue? I, mm -hmm. I don't know why yeah. her name is so odd to me, but um, where she's talking about her husband and she pulls out that keepsake box. And mm -hmm. um, I was just so impressed with that scene. And... Um, even just before the whole thing got really intense, the what was it that little boy Sam? The way he was lined up with um, in that scene, uh, in that seat before she hands him the harpoon, and he's lined oh, yeah. up right with the shark's jaw. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh wow, there's sharks in the water. Like he was just <laughs> perfect right there. And then she just gets really weird, and she just freaks out. Like, and then she kind of seems to support the whole vampires thing. She's like, I'm 300 years old, but she really just means, 
you know, like I'm, I'm weighed down with, you know, like my grief and all that I've, my baggage I've been carrying. Um, and then I think that was like a bottle of alcohol. Like that's his scent. Well, it was his, no, it was, it was his, uh, cologne. Yeah. It was his cologne is what it was. It was his cologne. If you, you, it's hard to kind of read the label, but it was his cologne. Um, oh, okay, I got confused because I know he got punished later on because his his mom said, "Oh, well, you were dipping into something. You're going to drink all this water now." Oh yeah, they uh, um, she made him drink the water because he was still up. Oh okay. He he was up. She told him to go to bed. He wouldn't go to bed because he thinks that uh, Dolphin Blue is a vampire, so yeah. he modifies his slingshot into a cross. And she, his mom tells him to go to sleep, turns off the light. He turns back on the light. She says, you're going to get the water. And so his punishment is that he is made to drink an entire pitcher of water. So that he stays up all night peeing instead. Yeah. Well, fortunately, <laughs> there, was a, there was a neighbor uh, who came by. It was uh, Aben's dad. And he sits on, Seth sits on Aben's dad's lap and... Uh, Let's go of all the water. So well, he's getting squeezed because Aben is lost in uh, Joshua, played by uh, David Longworth. Uh, Joshua is uh, worried about it, and and they don't believe that uh, Seth doesn't know where Eben is. Um, uh, Mark, quick correction: that was not that was not the actor's name. That was that was Nicholas Cage, uh, method acting as Emil <laughs> Phillips. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been. Um, I, I think you had way more fun with this. I was caught up on being analytical. Like, I want this movie to make sense so badly. <laughs> well, I, you know, I took a different tack because I'm watching it. It's poorly acted. It's pretentious as all get out. I mean, look, the trailer for this damn thing. What was the guy's name? The director, Ridley something. Uh, um, Philip Ridley. Who? Philip, yeah. Okay. The, the trailer, and we'll talk about that later, I guess, but it opens yeah. up with from the visionary mind of Philip Ridley. And then later on in the trailer, it says, it's like a quote from one of the newspaper critics. It says, a stunning feature debut by Philip Ridley. I'm like, you cannot be a visionary <laughs> filmmaker on your first movie. That's not how that works. But it totally makes together. sense watching the movie. He didn't put the trailer together, though, so you can't blame him for that one. No, I, 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 I can't, he... but I could see that this, this would be... If Philip Ridley made the trailer for this movie, that is exactly what he would put in the trailer for this film. <laughs> well, he made... like if if uh, you're like the third generation removed, like bastard nephew of Jodorowsky or you know, uh, well von Trier, then maybe. <laughs> well, the only way I could think of them justifying it is he wrote the craze uh, just before he made this, uh, and he made two short films who that may have been. Critically, they're short films, so no one ever pays oh, attention to Oh, wait, this is the those, Philip Ridley so. of the craze? Yeah. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I have no idea uh, who this guy uh, is either. Anyway. But it's apparently um, a cult film, and I've never heard of it. Well, reflect, I, like I said, I, I uh, was curious about it and only had really heard about it because of my friend's brother. And me watching, I watched it. I, I enjoyed this film. <laughs> Well, let's talk about it, because <laughs> Jesus Christ, um. <laughs> I I like bizarre films. Okay, I really enjoyed Bo is Afraid too. Okay, I'm gonna go out there, but uh, I think maybe it just because looking at it 
at first I was taken aback by some of the things going on. I'm like, okay. But then kind of the telltale is the the cover of the vampire magazine looks exactly like the widow and the field and the house yeah. and everything. So, and you're right, uh, Kara, with the whole box thing and her mentioning how she's 200 years old, the whole film's being told from the perspective of the little kid. This is how he's seen the entire world. So this bizarre shit, some of it may not be happening, and some of it is happening, and some of it's true, and some of it is perceived, I think, through his eyes of what's actually uh, going on, um, as far as the weirder stuff, like the vampire stuff. Because what happens with Cam, and uh, and we're going to jump around, folks, a bit here, but with Cam... He talks about how, uh, you know, he's in love with her right away, which he's just back from the military. Dolphin Blue, you know, kind of shows interest. So maybe that's kind of the attraction. You know, this is also a guy who uh, came back from the war and he is different. His brother notices it. Plus, he doesn't exactly want to deal with his family drama. And and, and you have this, you know, this woman showing affection, more affection than he, he may have gotten from home originally but in any case um they talk about how his hair's falling out and and, you know how he's looking sick and i'm and how the kid thinks it's a vampire when it's not it's not Mm -hmm. it's because he was part of the nuclear testing in the 50s out on the pretty islands as his mom talked about and he suffered from radiation poisoning is what he's actually doing. So I kind of like that, how the kid perceived it as vampire. And if you take it literally, you go, oh, maybe she is a vampire. But then you think about it like, no, he was talking about being out in, like, literally fallout from, like, dancing in the ashes and making snowballs in the radioactive ashes. (laughs) Well, and that's 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 actually where the title of the movie comes from, The Reflecting Mm -hmm. Skin, is because he describes... There's the, um, the the photograph of the the man holding the the child. Child, yeah. Um, the, the little Japanese boy, and he's describing his skin, how you could see yourself in it, mm-hmm. um, which I, I don't know what the hell that means. Um, see, I was I now I just feel so silly because I was trying so hard to understand, and you're you're right. They did explain that, and now I'm like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's that's the the frustrating thing about this. Um, is they have a really solid potential for a spooky coming of age rural mm-hmm. drama, but they get mixed up with the director crawling so far up his own ass that he, you know, <laughs> he can't see anything anymore. Because I, I like what you're saying, Mark. Uh, I, I think it would have been a great sort of gothic, almost like a take on on Rear Window or Fright Night. Mm-hmm. This kid mm-hmm. starts to think that, you know, the new neighbor lady up the road is a vampire because dad, you know, reads all these magazines, gets ideas in his head. Brother comes home from the war. He thinks he's being, you know, becoming mm-hmm. a familiar of the vampire or something, but it's because of all the atrocities that he mm-hmm. went through that he's not even fully aware of. There's a really strong story there, and I hope someone makes that movie someday. <laughs> but then we get caught up with, uh, oh, there's a dead boy in the well, and there's a pa- there's a car full of greasers that look straight out of you know. Sometimes they come back. Uh, they've got the, the you know two kids running around in a field, draped in the American flag in two separate unrelated incidents. All I'm thinking is, as Dennis Leary once said about REM's shiny happy people, 
pull that bus over to the side of the pretentiousness turnpike where all the shiny people over here and the happy people over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what was that? The, the no cure for cancer stand-up routine. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I love that one. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is like uh, the, the movie, it's, and it's also like nine times quirkier than it has to be. You've, mm -hmm. you've got the sheriff who is mentioned, and then when, when you finally see him, He's got a prosthetic I hand. Love him. I love this. He's shirt. got uh, okay. His hand, his hand was. I can't remember what he was. I've got like, it like written down. It was, I've got yeah, it, it written down. A, a giant turtle ate his hand. A snapping turtle ate his oh, hand. Oh yeah. Yes. A hornet took out his eye. Yes. And something else, like a dog, bit off his ear. I'm dog, like, no, stop. Yes, the dog chewed off his ear. Yeah, you had that right. Wasp took his eye. And <laughs> what does wife do to him? <laughs> Uh -huh. Well, I but the, but it's all so he could have this cute lie like I've been a sheriff for thirty years and I've never had this much trouble with people. I'm like, oh, stop. well, you obviously keep pinning the wrong crime on the wrong person too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they they suspect Dad because Dad is a closet ho closet homosexual uh, yeah. because apparently he was walked in on by a a when he was with a, a young man. Um, well, I, I don't know about the young man part because they, were, they specifically referred to him as a boy and then they quickly kind of changed the subject. Well, they the call him Sega 17, so, but... Yeah, but still... that's that's homophobia, The just yeah. the whole he doesn't understand, but then he's he's asking the boy, like, well, have you ever been touched in places? And he the I mean, obviously the little boy is naive and he's like, well, what do you mean? The kitchen? And he's like, no, in places. Mm. And he grabs the little boy himself. And I'm yeah. like, you know, you just <laughs> right. turned yourself into a deviant. I thought about that too. When he, when he points, and he, they don't, that's off camera, but you know, he, he did something. You're just like, you know, dude, no, you're, you, there's other ways you could describe that. You don't have to. I mean, I mean, yeah, you could have just said, you know, in your Johnson or something. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, uh, but then we would have been robbed of that lovely who's on first routine. Like, what do you mean well, in the kitchen? Yeah. I mean, to my, what what got me more is like the little boy was so nonchalant about it. And instead of just like no, no change of expression in his face, he didn't like, um, he didn't seem startled. He didn't jump back. He didn't hop up like, you know, like, mister, what's wrong with you? He's just like, no, he's never done that before. He just walks off like, huh. <laughs> but, well, I, this honestly is a movie that uh, it's probably not the way the director took it, but after watching it, I'm like, wow, this is an origin story for a serial killer because that's what Seth, that, by the end of this, Seth is, you know, they talk about angels at one point mm -hmm. uh, where they say that an angel dies every time you make your mom cry. <laughs> Yeah, and, then, and I, I like that. I make my mom cry all the time. Sometimes she looks at me and she starts crying. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you you do kind of feel for Seth because his mom is is has had at least one break at some point, and and you know the dad on the other hand tries to play things off as just. Like okay, whatever. He he's not even really phased by her usually until she starts getting a, a, abusive on him, um, you know. And then he goes out and sets himself on fire in front of Seth. Oh yeah. Seth um, finds the dead boy. Seth. I mean, this kid is going. He's going to be a serial killer when he grows up. Well, I mean, that's the thing about the the dad. 
you know, with the gas pump and everything. Um, I mean, he's sucking on that nozzle. I mean, that, that's the thing is like the, <laughs> the filmmakers, I, I, I don't know what, uh, what Mr. Ridley was trying to accomplish, but I mean, there, there was just something very weird about that. A, I was thinking about Zoolander, but that's not fair. Um, but also, <laughs> it's supposed Blue to steel. be... Uh, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> Blue Steel, it's not just a look. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the the thing is, like, it was it's just so much bad comedy in this movie mm -hmm. because the dad, like, he drenches himself in gasoline at the pump and then he's trying to, like, get the matches to start. And it's not until his kid says, Pa, and then he, like, looks up as if, like, yeah. he was in mid-strike and he was like, you could see that flash behind his eyes, like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this in front of my, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> but then you get, like, visually, this thing is, you know, non-parel. I mean, like, that whole bit with the gas station garage on fire and the people standing in front of it, it looked like something out of uh, There Will Be Blood. I yeah. Mean, it's gorgeous. And mm -hmm. I just wondered, like, how the hell they, they pulled all that off. Like, this production design in this movie is insane for this little indie feature. Um, well, you reminded me. I, I love the cinematography and even mm -hmm. the, the color palette. It, it seems to, it's very well thought out. It seems to really complement the the emotional tone. Like, it, it just really, I don't want to say it sets the scene, but it, um, I don't know, like... Um, psychologically complimentary. I don't know if it sounds like I just shoved my head up my own rear also. But <laughs> Say hi to Philip Ridley for me. I'm sure you'll see him up there. I, I don't think there's room for me up in his own. <laughs> no, it is, it is, you know, he's making it, it, it is the artistic angle. But like, for me, I like the odd this but it totally is is a pretentious like i'm making some art here it's some representation but cinematography wise visually for yeah i think it's beautiful for what this film is you get those sweeping shots of the wheat fields and that and even the way how he framed a couple of shots similar to the vampire book you know but the way the way he shot every i mean yeah cinematography wise you're just like this film is is crazy good. It should not look this good for what it is, as far as the camera angles and, and what they do with it. And you know, even in, yeah. it, when you're in the house, when you're in the house scenes, you know, it, it the rooms seem far bigger than they should be. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like especially the, I I like the mischievousness. They walk into that beautiful bedroom and they're like, let's destroy it, and then. <laughs> the um, what is it they the i i forget did they fall asleep and the woman discovers them or they're walking downstairs and they walk in on the woman no, in a private they walk in moment on her masturbating furiously they're they're, they're laying yeah they're laying in the bed and he's actually like waving the flower in front of his friend's nose and it's a bit of an affectionate scene almost you know mm -hmm. uh and, and then while they're just sitting there yeah then they hear her come in but she doesn't come upstairs and then they Go downstairs, she comes downstairs. And, and she comes that well starts to yeah uh well they go downstairs and she's coming <laughs> yeah and she, mm -hmm. that's right yeah you know and then uh i know that was vulgar <laughs> have you listened to right this show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not at all um 
you know, <laughs> and and yeah, the the boys watch for most of it, you know, the, the discovery of of a woman. Well, they and... they didn't know what was going on. I think they were just kind of trying to figure out what's wrong with her. I'm like, give yeah. it a few years, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's she's kind of. I mean, it's very odd because she's almost like psychologically distressed while she's doing her business. Because I mean, from their point of view, she could have looked like she was like moaning like grieving or, or wailing well, it's 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 an she odd, might it's have odd been. way to play it yeah and it, it's played off like that because again the whole film i think is supposed to be taken through the perception of the young young boy from start to finish it, it, it's mm-hmm. his perception so your reality is skewed by him so you know how things actually are and what we see is and again, this is uh, being pretentious. I get, it. I totally get, it, but it, it's totally supposed to be from from his his view, because almost every scene we see, he's there. We he's there. I don't think there's really anything we see to where he's not within earshot of what's going on, or you know, he's involved directly. Um, and I I get that, but you know, again, this. Ridley is inconsistent with what kind of movie he's trying to make right. and whose mm-hmm. point of view we're actually getting because you know if you want to establish that this kid has some like mental problems because of his home life that's one thing but there's mm-hmm. these other alien situations like where he finds the fetus in the you know wrapped up in that like paper mache egg in the barn or wherever it's from you know when we first see it it looks I couldn't tell if it's just like the the low-budget indie special effects and that's supposed to be an actual fetus because there's maggots crawling on it yeah so you get the feeling oh it was a stillborn i mean it's it's a giant baby i mean it looked like it was almost ready to to come out right but he finds it and then we see it it keeps popping up he's got it in bed and all that stuff there's no signs of decay he's not Mm -hmm. like repulsed by the smell or whatever Mm -hmm. like i don't know like what's real and what's not and it's not in that kind of like, oh, I wonder what this all means. It's just like, just get to the, you know, let's, what, what are you trying to say? Get to the point so it can be done. It's it's his angel. It's his friend because he's lost yeah. all his other friends. Th- just this about. kid is thick. He's thicker than the walls of the garage that burned down. <laughs> I mean, like, there's no way this kid oh. is that dumb. Oh, I'm going to go even. Well, oh, go ahead. He's, he's consoling himself, but to me, it right. strikes me more like the, the way he shows it affection. It's, it's become kind of a pet. Well, he calls it Eben. He thinks it's the angel of his dead buddy that he saw in his water well, which, I mean, come on, that is a traumatic experience. The place where you get your water from has your dead friend floating in there. Um, Well, not not just that. I mean, I believe if I remember the sequence of events prior to that, he saw his his father um, light himself. So it's he's he's seen a lot. And I'm, I'm surprised the. The kid, um, I mean, I, I, if I remember well, no, correctly, the, the, they don't have psychiatry no, the, yet. No? no, the fire comes out afterwards it, because oh, okay. because that starts the whole conversation because Eben is missing. And then um, another... The deputy shows up and accuses right. the dad of being... Because he had... And this is why I'm saying that kid, you know, they mentioned 17, but I don't yeah. think that's what they were talking about because they specifically say... Yeah, you know, He's I know. accusing him of doing yeah. that to a little boy in a barn. Yeah, but that's that's funny to me. Like the that cop's fixated on perverts, and then he goes and molests the guy's son. <laughs> oh, the sheriff! Yeah, he points, but he yeah. doesn't see it as that because he's just giving an example. 
it's right not, but i mean that's yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna give you an example but uh let's go into the shed over here <laughs> well ridley is obs i mean this is another so much about this movie drives me crazy because like everybody in this movie to some degree is sexually repressed and i mm -hmm. get it right it's but 50s, there's a difference yeah. No, but you know you can't just say it was the '50s because that implies that everybody before the 1970s or '80s and the Age of Enlightenment was you know had all these hang-ups and you know everything was was terrible up until you know we were around. Um, you know the, you need to have some balance, otherwise it just becomes a soapbox. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. everybody in this movie, every man pretty much is some kind of a sexual deviant. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got the greasers in the car. When the mm -hmm. you know the one guy pulls up and first meets Seth, you're thinking, mm -hmm. oh, here's a bunch of tough kids. They're probably up to no good. But the one the guy driving the car like starts putting his finger like yeah, almost like Frank and Julia and Hellraiser around the kid's mouth. I'm like, what are you doing here? And then you got yeah. the father, you got the sheriff. Like, I understand. I get it. Okay, fine. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. He's he's caressing him. He's like totally making a pass at that kid. Like. Well, yeah, well, kind of, he, I forget the line. Like, do you look forward to seeing me again or something? Yeah, well, he yeah he says we look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, oh, okay. oh, he he asks, would you like to see us again? And I think the kid he kind of shakes no, and he goes, well, we'll see you soon, and and that's when he touches the the lips, um, and mm -hmm. then they drive off. And they that, snatch up that other kid on the side of the road. And, and, and that's the thing is these guys are the ones actually going around and killing kids. They killed Evan. We didn't see him pick him up. We do see him later after Cam shows up. Uh, mm -hmm. And Eben, uh he, because the way the events unfold is uh, Seth is worried that Dolphin is a vampire and going to kill his brother. His brother's actually suffering from radioactive Poisoning. His brother goes, runs off because he's going to live with Dolphin, he says. He doesn't want to stay at home because mom's crazy anyway, and I just, I can't deal with this. So he's going to go to Dolphin to the, her embrace. They tell the, the whole, you know, thing. They kiss. He thinks Dolphin's sucking the life out of his brother, who, by the way, had scars on his back like an angel. If you didn't notice, there's scars where there would be angel wings. Anyway, um... Then he runs out, and that's where he sees his buddy in the flag that he had dropped that was Cam's, and that's when he's picked up by the greasers, and that's where he gets the idea for the greasers to uh, uh, get Dolphin near the end and why Dolphin shows up dead, because that way he eliminates Dolphin and gets to have his brother back. Uh, but that's the, the irony. It's the only time she finally shows that she's out of mourning. She finally wears mm -hmm. white. And then other people have to go in mourning for her. Right. Uh, do they, though? I mean, like, who's, who's mourning <laughs> well, I mean, Dolphin the, Blue? It's, it's funny. The little boy that accuses her of being a vampire just totally, he's just like, I can't take it anymore. It's so dramatic. Oh, at the very, very end, you mean? What he yeah. Wrote? Well, he, I because, uh, yeah, him running off, at the very end in the whole dramatic yelling scene. Um, I don't think it's her dying. It was seeing Cam mm -hmm. reject him over the dolphin. And so that was the kid's final straw because Cam was his last line of yeah. love. He wasn't getting it for mom, especially after his dad 
set himself on fire. I mean, he saw his dad set himself on fire. Okay, you lose that. Mom wants Cam. She doesn't give a... She's been treating Seth like shit for most of the movie, in all honesty. So he doesn't got a lot of affection there. He's waiting for Cam to come back. Cam comes back. That's his bro. He's ready until he meets Dolphin. And then he's losing his brother. And so when he sees his brother all upset over Dolphin versus him and kind of pushes him away once already. Mm -hmm. And again, that was the kid's final straw because he's lost all his friends now. And, uh, you know, he's lost his brother. So he really has nothing now. And I think that's what the whole point of him running out and screaming is that he, he was trying to hold on, but he doesn't have, he's got nothing now. Absolutely. The the thing is, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. By the way. I, the I mean, especially the the everyone in the movie, they're they're all hanging on by a thin thread. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really take much to to push anybody over. No, not really. You get that impression that any one of these people, I mean, the mom, you know, you have the mothers blaming Seth for the death of the kids of his buddies, both both mm-hmm. parents. Uh, Joshua blames Seth. And then, uh, what you call it, Seth's other buddy, who they found dead in the American flag, uh, his, that kid's mom blamed Seth, you know? Yeah. Oh, and what was it? She kept making him repeat sin or, or yeah, was it sin, sin or yeah. sinner? Sinner, that he's a sinner, yeah. So, you know, she's you've got religion angle in there, of fanaticism there, of where she she says... It's because of his sin that he's a sinner. Um, so it makes him admit that, you know. Um, and it's just, yeah, this kid by the end of this is uh, has been acting emotionally cold uh, because he keeps losing these connections. And then, yeah, at the end, it's his breaking point. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's why I always, after watching this, I just said that this is the origin story of some serial killer i'd love to see like a a movie later on based off of this character to where he's the serial killer (laughs) because he goes through so much crap and sees so much weird stuff that you know no one would blame him (laughs) well yeah he maybe he skins his victims in front of Uh, a mirror and it becomes the reflecting skin there you go see oh total manhunter he puts mirrors in their eyes (laughs) Ah, there you go. This this is the precursor to Buffalo Bill. No, just anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, the, the ages would be about right. Yeah, it, it would kind of actually. It's kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it is it is one of those things to where I think you're right, Ian. There's, there's almost the. The director is going, trying to be too, pardon the term, artsy fartsy with it when he doesn't necessarily have to be with some of this stuff. Because yeah, I mean, if you take this, this definitely feels like, and I don't know what else he's done since then, if anything, not a whole lot, but but it feels like okay, kid, you're gonna have your one shot to make a movie. He's like, great, I'm going to put everything I've ever wanted to make in a movie into this one movie because I'm never going to get another chance. I understand the instinct, but it's a dangerous one um, because, yeah, there's there's a really solid movie in here, but it just gets blocked out by 
these themes and these other ideas and not that great of acting. I mean, he could have taken all of his, all of his literal, like, you know, the stuff that should have been subtext and he turns it into text, like with the American flag and, you know, all this other kind of stuff that's supposed to, but it represents oppression and suppression in the fifties and, you know, rural America and religion, all that stuff. A, that's hack. And B, yeah. if you want to tell that story, tell the story. Don't show us because I've seen that ad nauseum. Even by 1990, I was sick of it. And I was only 13 when this movie came out. <laughs> um, but, you know, if he had just had those those gorgeous, you know, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, visuals mm -hmm. and a solid story about a kid who thinks, you know, his you know, rural new neighbor is a vampire. And his older brother is coming back from the war and he's concerned about him. I think that would have been, you know, fine. A great movie. <laughs> I, I I agree. There is too much going on, and I think that's part of the confusion. I I was I was trying so hard to to figure this thing out, and I'm like, what is what does all of this mean? What's this movie about? <laughs> well, I mean, because everything's set up with the meaning, especially even with the greasers, basically are being the Grim Reapers. I mean, they drive around in a black car. They're all dressed in black. You know, it's it's shiny, and and they're the reason. Even though you never get the full evidence, you're able to put it together, especially near the end, that, mm -hmm. you know, they're the ones killing people and no one suspects these guys, the worst cops in the world, that these guys have been driving around and they don't even question the greasers? What? Well, yeah, I, I got that when they snatched up the kid on the side yeah. of the road. I'm like, oh, it's you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're the perverts. Right. They're the, the actual perverts are the ones that nobody questions or pays attention to yeah which what do you I'm, call it the ostracized right no one actually pays attention to your dead beats the 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 you know those guys uh they're driving around and nobody suspects them but by god it's got to be the dad who is out in the middle of nowhere he's the one killing the kids or you know the kids best friends are the ones that are behind it and it's like what about the creepy guys driving around in the black car all day? <laughs> well, I mean, you could have even, you know, if you wanted to have like a B plot. Yeah. Draw the, I mean, those kids were supposed to be like teenagers. Draw yeah. the connection between the father and that indiscretion in the barn, perhaps being right. one of those kids mm -hmm. um, in the car. You know, uh, I don't know exactly what that connection would be, but, um, you know, perhaps the dad is like, you know, warning, warning Seth to stay away from those kids or... You know, you got to home is where the heart is because it's a big, scary world out there and people driving around, you know, snatching up kids. I mean, this came out in 1990, so we we're a few years away from the kidnapping craze, but that was definitely a thing in the 80s. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Again, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that he was trying to comment on or, or at least talk about. I just don't know what he's trying to say. Well, that's that's why I was grasping straws at that that shark jaw and the, mm -hmm. the whole sharks in the sure. water symbology. No, there. Yeah. I mean that 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 symbology is there, and also the kid taking the harpoon with him home mm -hmm. as a protective thing. I mean, you're right. It, it's it's overload of symbology. It, it it's an example of. And again, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it for its quirkiness and a lot of the stuff that you read into it. But I also fully acknowledge this film tries to do. It's so much metaphor and symbology and commentary to where it's almost too 
not either subtle or too much for its own good to where all of these things overlap one another to where they he's trying to be so subtle with it yet not and you end up not accomplishing what he wants to at the end with his commentary and how things are connected because everything gets diluted because you have all of these things on top of each other in going on. This would almost work as more of an anthology type of movie to where you had Mm -hmm. each one of these stories, their own thing, like a chapter in this kid's life. So you have, you complete the whole story with the dolphin and the brother, you know, that could be like your final story up until that point. You could do these little like vignette type things to where you just have that storyline going on from the kid's perspective. And then you mm-hmm. move on to the next chapter. You know, that I think would make it more coherent or at least whatever your goal is for this film to be a little bit more evident. I don't need my handheld. I've always said I don't mind not having my handheld. But there's also a point of ha- not having your hand held and being pushed out into the middle of the ocean with no oars and no life <laughs> preserver and no sail sitting there floating going, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I, oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just, I can't. I can't tell what kind of filmmaker this guy is based on this movie, aside from, you know, visual craftsman. And I don't know who the DP on this was, but they did, a, they did some really wonderful work together. Uh, <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay. Know, but... Okay. This, this goes along with your pretentious, uh, uh, your pretentious synopsis uh, slash uh, deduction for both of you. There's <laughs> only one bit of trivia. No, I'm not saying this in a bad way. One bit of trivia for this film. Apparently, director Philip Ridley stated that he hand-painted all the wheat yellow because he preferred the look of it. Oh. Uh, Okay, so that's a capital P in the pretentious column. (laughs) Could you see his cinematographer going, Phil, it's called color correction. We right. can do it in post. No, nah, I need it this yellow. No, we can do it. I need it this yellow. <laughs> Mark, my brain just experienced the blue screen of death. And now I'm back. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh Lordy. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then how did he get the sky to be that that shade of blue? Of cornstarch corn blue. Starch blue, yeah. He painted that too, by God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> He, he was spraying a, a, a air sprayer in the air above the camera going, okay, let's shoot. It's still blue. That's what made Vigo, Vigo Morrison's hair really fall out. Oh, man. I, it's funny seeing Vigo in this, though, because he's so young. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Well, what I'm caught up on is they dyed your hair black. Yeah. Like, he's like Beatles black hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing to think that was it like he's only 10 years removed from being Aragorn? Well, well, that's what I'm like. I'm like, I'm looking at him going, wait, this guy 10 years later would do Aragorn. And he, you know, not too much later do these other roles where he just looks like he's been, had a rough life. 
<laughs> no, I he's to me he's always going to be Lucifer in the prophecy. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Well, that yeah, was ninety six. Right? That was ninety six yeah. only. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And then what was he? He was in the, one of those Texas Massacre uh, sequels, right? Who? Oh, he, Vigo. Didn't he do? Something? Yeah. No, I he thought. was. He was in. Uh, um, uh, Three. Was he? No, or Next Generation, one of the two. That was Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey was the one, but he was in... Because uh, this was right around that same time, I think, right? He um, was in... No, I, I think we're thinking Was that of, the one that filmed in California? The only one that wasn't filmed in Texas? <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm trying to remember now. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Yeah, yeah. see? Leather, yeah, that's that right. was, uh, that was released January 12th, 1990. <laughs> so Texas Chainsaw I think that Massacre was, 3, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the one. The, yeah, that was the one that California. was not That was the one not filmed in Texas, yeah. And we uh, talked which, about that one, right? And we did talk ago, about Yeah, we talked about that one a couple of years ago, the Saw's Family Month. We did where we, where we looked all those and we did the special episode uh, on uh, Texas Chainsaw: The Next Generation with, with uh, Academy Award winning Matthew McConaughey and uh, uh, um, Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger, yeah. <laughs> they all got they all got to start somewhere. Uh, I will. That movie is is so bad. It's fun though. It was. It was. It was so bad. It's it's fun and. And I enjoyed that one a lot more the second time around I watched it because the first time I watched it, I was 20 years younger or whatever. You know, or I watched it when it came right out on video, watched it going, what the frack is this? <laughs> Texas Chainsaw, The Next Generation. What the hell is this movie? Didn't understand it. Understand it a little better now. But yeah, it is. Yeah. It is laugh. It is, especially yeah. at the end when what's his name shows up with all the piercings. You're just like, wait, what the f yeah i'm like you look so boring but then there there's all of this like there's a rave going on under there yeah there is there is there is no <laughs> rave going on in the reflecting uh skin though um unfortunately when people say oh that's an art house pick and they say it in a negative context no uh, that stuff is on acid <laughs> <laughs> the reflecting skin might uh, uh, follow fall into that category. Lindsay Duncan is as Dolphin Blue probably the highlight as far as acting goes with this. Mm. Um, all the other characters I think are just too over the top or exaggerated or whatever to really, you know, their their acting is is not nearly as solid. Hers is great. I I would have loved to see more about her character. You're right. I mean, yeah. Having the kid focused on whether or not she was a vampire or not, I think right there is a solid 90-minute movie you could get out of there, especially with Cam coming home and everything. You know, um, maybe have maybe have the greaser boys, but he Seth never actually meets them. We just see them at various mm -hmm. times throughout the film that you could, you know, piece together later on. Uh, but the other stuff, all the other stuff in between that, you know, baby fetus as even and all of that that's just yeah <laughs> and the fact he painted the wheat there you go oh gosh there you go folks i can imagine somebody sneaking out there to relieve themselves and walking out yellow <laughs> yeah 
Or there's this one slash where the, the wheat is is uh, miscolored. They go out to film it the next day. Like, Who's been pissing in my wheat? Um, <laughs> I The one thing I, I am grateful, this movie does have some spectacular dialogue. Mm-hmm. Delivered terribly, but um, eh. some, of my, some of my favorites. Uh, Sheriff Tucker says it's a short leap from kissing to killing. Yeah. Um, I'll agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you should have seen him, Cam. He exploded. His skin went all funny. Uh, I think your paw's still out there dripping gasoline and killing children. Yeah. <laughs> and my favorite, delivered by our Nicolas Cage Emo Phillips clone, I dreamt that I was sleeping with my goat, and I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And I believed him. Yeah, yeah. You, you believed him, too. You That was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um... Yeah, it's it's a quirky film. It's an odd film. Um, I'm happy I watched it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see why uh, my friend uh, said, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> because this is one of those what the hell movies. And even over the course of this episode, you know, we've we've dissected what probably what probably things actually mean. Um, it it is as you put it, Kara, a bit grasping at straws because films like this, even Bo is Afraid had some anchors. They're, they're very loose anchors that the boat still moved along, but you have a few like little bits of anchor to, to bring you down to where you go, okay, that's this, or this happened, this weird shit happened at the beginning because now we're near the end and, and now we get the explanation or, or at least some, thing that we can posit a feasible theory on in this one it's really hard to do of what the actual point of all of it was outside of as i say this is the origin story of of buffalo bill of john wayne gacy of you know if if it wasn't set in the fifties, I'd say Norman Bates, but uh, Norman Bates. Ed Gein. <laughs> Ned, well, Ed Gein's already around eating people and dancing in the moonlight and female skins, and uh, you know uh, Norman is out there killing people in his hotel already in the fifties. So it can't be that kid. Mm. But this is like you know the next. He's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you just made me think of something. Mm. Um, you know. John Wayne Gacy. Imagine mm. if they were to do a remake of The Searchers, the John Wayne movie. Yes. Except it's about John Wayne Gacy and they're searching, <laughs> they're digging up his yard. Oh like, my God. No. <laughs> the Searchers no. starring John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> you know, oh. the, o- the only other thing I could think of is being a BBC production, which blew my mind when that popped up on the movie. I- I'm like, wait. This is a BBC production, and, and it's supposed to be like this American Gothic type tale, and it's being produced. Is that it? Is also possibly him making a commentary on the U.S. because you know he. Um, I'm not sure where he's from, uh, but with it being the you know uh, oh he's from London. So there you go. That explains the entire movie. So, <laughs> this very well could be an art house satirical emotional look at you know how uh, the American 
dream is perceived <laughs> you know how it's not a dream um uh, i mean I'm, I'm probably about to get beaten with a hat but i i don't consider this art house no i'm i'm saying when people say it you i i it's it's got all the elements that when you hear people say oh it's an art house pick you know you, you could see it because it's it's got all the little bits to it but uh I don't know. It's presented by BBC Films, put out British Screen Productions. Mm -hmm. It it's a a four. It's someone over the pond making an American film, a, a gothic American film. So I'm wondering if something else is trying to be said there too, um, with the mm -hmm. perspective because he wrote it as well. Yeah, I. It all makes sense now. I mean, I'm just. Imagine some of the BBC. <laughs> well, no, I, I think I just imagine like someone at the BBC saying, oh, "Oh, Philip Ridley, we want you to make a movie about America." I've never been there. I've got some ideas. Read some papers. I'm like, uh, "1950s. It's uh, sexism and and racism and religion and American flags." Oi! It's kind of like uh, I imagine someone making a movie about Chicago, and it features the Blues Brothers fighting Al Capone in a pizza parlor. Oh fuck! I want to um, see that movie now. Damn it! <laughs> well, I do too. Well, you you forgot um, machine guns and and uh, what is it? Booze. Yeah. What about the Al Capone? Well, yeah. It's complete. Yeah, the it's Al implied. Capone. It's implied. Yeah. yeah. I, unlike yeah. Mr. Ridley, I'm not going to hit you over the head with the symbology. <laughs> Damn it! But it's okay I'm, I'm curious, because Cara, they get sh oh. they get saved by the Chicago Bears. So there you go. <laughs> they can't save anything. Anyway, um, <laughs> Cara, I'm I'm curious. Uh, why don't you? I'm not going to beat you over the head with a hat. I'm just I'm just curious. Why don't you consider this to be an art house? What What do you consider to be an art house movie, and why is this not one of them? I mean, I I I mean to me, darn it, I'm I'm so tongue tied. It's just this damn thing makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has the symbology. I mean, it has like the, you know, like all the great colors and everything it's just I'm, I'm stuck on what the hell is going on and i know that's usually the stuff that a person who who doesn't you know habitually watch this type of stuff would say but i'm like i'm i'm used to watching this type of film and i'm i'm kind of like i feel like a first timer and i'm like i'm like nah nah get, hand me the cheetos <laughs> <laughs> well and that's that's okay because i i like I, I do consider this to be an art house film, but that's only because there's essentially two camps. There's like the mainstream cinema and then there's right. the stuff that you have to be on a completely different wavelength. And that's what we consider the art house, like the stuff yeah. that not, isn't going to sell that popcorn. But I think what you're picking up on, Cara, is you watch a lot of movies that do have a lot of symbolism and a different pace and a different voice and attitude. But if you open yourself up to it, it can make sense. I think your bullshit detector is going off <laughs> watching this movie being like it, it wants to be those things, but it's really kind of not. And I think that because I, I struggle with that, too. I'm like, am I just not getting it? I think I got it. It's just not very good. Yeah, no. I mean, I tried so hard to make sense of this. And I'm like, I was looking at the symbology. And like I said, I was like, OK, what are the different meanings of of the film title and I'm mean, like for for example like the lighthouse I loved that but this I'm like I'm trying I'm trying so hard and then I'm like okay maybe I'm trying too hard no I'm like okay let me look at it a different way and I'm like this movie's broken it, it yeah. and and 
I don't know anything from Adam. You fo- folks are, are far better versed than myself. But I th- what I think we have here is someone who was trying to make a film that was beyond their initial skill set because they didn't have enough experience. I think if he makes this later, when he gets a few more films under his belt or something so he can get... Because he's he's an author, too, which explains a bit as well. He's a, a, a an artist and an author, a published author, before he is a filmmaker. So there is difference between telling your story through filmmaking and telling your story through book, namely because you can get a lot of more of that internalization. This is missing a lot of internalization, I think, of the characters that you're supposed to pick up on, but you're not presented with. So what you get is just this menagerie of weird American Gothic dark visions, and you're missing the internal stuff to where if you're reading this, it's probably all in there. What's running through the kid's mind? What's running through? You know what I'm saying? It, it, you, mm-hmm. You're missing that angle. And and I think that's what's missing with this. So at the end, yeah, you're left at the end going, what was the point of that, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah, oh. I mean, I can, I can appreciate that it was left open-ended enough to where you can um, make your own opinion and say, okay, well, I think this is this and that is that, but I think there's just too much going on. Right. And I, I agree with you. Like it, it feels like several different stories. If it was treated as several interconnected stories, it would make more sense. It would flow better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I found out like, this is a movie I would definitely watch again with the sound off. Cause I would love to watch it again and not necessarily like right. have to listen mm-hmm. to the story or the acting, but there is a Blu-ray Mm-hmm. The Blu-ray does have an audio commentary by Mr. Ridley, and I'm <laughs> uh-huh. at once tempted to buy it so I can listen to it. And on the other hand, I'm tempted to buy all the copies so I can destroy them <laughs> so that no one has to listen to this guy explain his work ever. The commentary is probably nothing but smooching sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect the commentary is him describing what he was going into with each scene. Oh, and that's why it's a six-hour yeah. commentary on an hour and a half movie. Yeah. Oh gosh! So, no, I'm I'm making that up. He's making it. Oh, I believed you. So, <laughs> so we'll wrap it up here. Reflecting skid, not not a hit for most. But before we do that, they. I watch- mean, I would give it a second chance. I mean, it it feels like a movie that should be watched more than once. That's fair. Yeah. You you I I would give it a second chance, but. We're going to our section now of the trailer. The trailer we get, I my, my fine fellow crew members here watch the trailer. So, Ian, we'll start with you. Was the trailer truth or was it trailer trash? It's... See, I got to put myself in the mindset of someone watching this trailer in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> because it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. But only because, as I mentioned before, it opens. This is what was so frustrating. And I kind of share some of Cara's frustration is after this movie is over, like, (laughs) who would ever pay attention to that piece of shit? And then I put on the trailer (laughs) and it's like uh, revolutionary filmmaking from The Guardian. (laughs) You know, the new uh, Rolling Stone calls it, you know, an amazing first ever. Like, it's got all these prestigious, like, like sight and sound, I think, Mm -hmm. praised it. I'm like, 
what the hell? <laughs> but, you know, watching it, all of the stuff that's in the trailer is in the movie, but they leave out a lot of the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. They did include the dad, like, dousing himself in gasoline right. and, like, sucking on the nozzle, which I thought was kind of strange because I'm like, A, that should be a surprise that's left for the film. B, it does kind of undercut the kind of, like, the weird, like, tense, eerie mm-hmm. feel of the trailer. So it is, yeah. as I keep saying, it is you know, trash and truth, I guess. <laughs> what about you, Kara? Um, I would go with trash. Like it, 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 it leads you to go in thinking you're going to watch an entirely different movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, I, I watched it three times. I'm not going to lie. Like not, not in a row, <laughs> uh. but, um, Initially, I watched it thinking, uh, obviously, before I signed on for this, I watched it thinking, oh, well, this is going to be a very dark film. Like, I thought, oh, this is going to be like some very dark, psychotic, like maybe some crazy Mm -hmm. Lars von Trier type thing. And yeah, I was thinking, yeah, that woman's probably some supernatural thing. And this little boy is probably like nuts. And there's all this crazy stuff going on. And this looks really interesting. It looks like something I would totally watch. And it, it still is. I enjoyed it. But it was it was entirely different from what I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll say the trailer was trash. But mad props to who edited it. Because they made it feel like a more mainstream dark film than what yes. you actually get. The trailer, especially with the quotes of that, if I watched that in the 90s, I'm like, oh, that looks like, you know, kind of home on the range type of, you know, gothic, dark film. Okay. It doesn't even scratch the surface of how bizarre it is. And the, the warning should be when you get a quote from someone who says it was a dark classic. Uh, oh, it, it was a dark film destined to be a cult classic. No. Okay, okay, <laughs> folks, cult classics, the true cult classics, are ones that bombed at the box office that barely anybody knew about that are rediscovered later and have a huge popular fan. Okay, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a cult classic. Okay, mm. Reflecting Skin, there aren't people having conventions and watching these at midnight showings, throwing toast at the screen though you'd throw gasoline at the screen maybe i don't know reflecting (laughs) skin is not a disco ball no no it's not but you bring up a good point there mark like given that cult classics are usually bombs that are rediscovered later it's kind of strange that anyone would want to put that quote in their trailer like this movie's (laughs) gonna tank (laughs) yeah i never understood i never understood that and you know when people say this is a modern cult class, I'm like, it's just been out a week. You get those other comments too. Like, it's like, give it some time before you start calling it a cult classic, you know, let it marinate for a while or get lost. I I get the impression that maybe the, either the director or the studio pushed for that. Like we have to move this thing, like, Mm -hmm. like um, encourage people, like get them excited and the the movie that's that they pitch you in the trailer i'm like yeah i wanted to watch that i have no idea what i saw <laughs> but i think it also might be like kind of a psychological ploy mm-hmm. because i could see seeing that trailer with all the praise from those notable like critical outlets and watching this movie and kind of thinking 
what the hell am I watching? Oh, well, maybe I'm just, I just got to get through the entire thing and it'll eventually all make sense because yeah. all these people are telling me how smart this is. Maybe I'm just, I got to settle in and pay closer attention. Kind of like what you were doing, Car, with trying to like grasp onto any bit of meeting that's like, you know, pinballing, pinballing around the, the frame. Uh, yeah, it's almost a ploy. Like, this isn't a bad movie. You just don't get it. Or you've got to really pay attention while you're watching it in order to get it. And it's only after they've got your money and you're walking out to the parking lot, be like, I think that was kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like, that's that's one of those things like when you've got yellow diarrhea seeping out the diaper and down the legs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a very specific reference. and I appreciate that. Wow. <laughs> Being being a, a being a a father of two boys, I fully, <laughs> I've seen that in person. Hopefully not recently. No, though. no, no, not not since they were babies. Not since they were babies, but I I've witnessed that, and it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm you. like, I I've never had kids, but I always come right back around to the duty references. The duty reference. Well, yeah. I, I have pets. That's that's good enough. I'm I'm potty training a beagle still. Oh, Ooh. yeah, uh, that's like potty training a kid. So yeah, I can feel that. Um, I'm like, please go on the mat. <laughs> I'm like, I was so ready to brag on you, and no, there's something in the middle of the living room. Oh, <laughs> so close. Uh, and that's what this movie is. It's so close. This, this I yeah, it's so far away. <laughs> I it is. It. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things where I, I for my final thought, I I can't say I, I don't want to say it's like a a bad film necessarily. It's it's just it it's there. It, it's it, it it gives you a lot of obscure references. It wants to be David Lynchian, but not quite there. It wants mm -hmm. to have a lot of subtext. It's kind of there. It's just, yeah, he's either trying to do too much at once or trying to be so subtle that you catch nothing. Because that, that can happen to where they're trying to be like so like, ooh, that you're like, I, I need at least this crumb. I don't need to ha hold my hand, but give me a hook my pinky or something, okay? You don't have to hold my hand completely, but... Well, I, I agree with Ian. It should have had more of a defined subplot. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have really helped it instead of just shoving everything up into the main storyline. Because right. I think that's where all of the confusion is. Mm -hmm. It is. There, there's a, like three really good stories and they just shouldn't have been layered together <laughs> on yeah. top of one another. Um, so there you have it, folks. The Reflecting Skin, our first skin flick of the month. Thank you for our live viewers who tuned in to our live show. And yeah, don't tip it. Don't. don't. <laughs> now this is where I give my wonderful folks their license to shill. Uh, their channels are both growing by leaps and bounds, and this is their chance to have the floor and plug their stuff. So, Kara, please, a ladies first. The floor is yours. Shill away. So, I don't have any current stuff. I'm still working on vlogs, but uh, you can catch me on Saturdays. I'm around at 2 o'clock Central Time. I believe that's 3 o'clock Eastern, but mm -hmm. I'm doing 
weekend uh, live streams, usually just casual, casual topics. And, but if anybody just wants to hang around and chill out, um, I usually just have those announced by early to midweek, but that would be at um, YouTube channel Horror Retrospective. So always looking forward to meeting new people if anybody wants to stop by. Very cool. And Ian, shill away as well, sir. License to shill is yours. All right. Uh, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. Uh, I'm mostly on YouTube, though, so you can look up Kicking the Seat on YouTube. I do uh, live streams and, and reviews and interviews and all that stuff. Uh, this Thursday, I'm going to be doing a live stream. Uh, it's Star Wars Day. We're not talking about a Star Wars movie, but we are talking about a movie involving a character named Luke, and that's Cool Hand Luke from 1967. So I'll be doing that uh, live at 8 o'clock Central, so that should be uh, fun. I'd never seen the movie until the other Ooh. night, and I'm excited to talk about it. So that's my that, spiel. That surprises me you haven't seen I cool, love that one. Cool Hand Luke. Stretch, stretch out that little old belly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. What we have here, son, is a failure to communicate. Yeah. Uh, I love, you know, watching it because I'd never seen it, mm -hmm. and I was happy to check it off my list, but it's so big in pop culture, or at least it was, mm -hmm. like with the, that line and the eggs and all that stuff, to mm -hmm. finally have that context. and like, this movie is so much cooler than mm -hmm. I ever imagine so it, it's, yeah, it's good it'll be fun to talk about it's, it is fun it's a lot of fun it's just like when i sat my kids down and we watched the first predator they're like so this is where all those memes come from like, <laughs> of course it is what's wrong with you get to the chopper back in my day we just used to say oh that's where that line comes yeah, that's from. right that's right i have no idea where why my southern accent just got thicker that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay uh you know, and, and as far as my stuff goes, uh, specialmarkproductions.com, after you visit their wonderful stuff, if you're interested at all. We've got a lot of content I've been putting out lately. I've got interviews. I got interviews with David Lipper, who uh, recently is coming. His film's coming out within the next week called Curse uh, of, the, uh, of Wolf Mountain. And uh, we got a chance to talk to him about his career. He started out in sitcoms, child actor. He was DJ's boyfriend, Viper, I believe his name was. He was in like four episodes, and he's been in acting ever since and has grown to being director, producer, all of this. So it, Of Full House. You mentioned yes, the I'm DJ's sorry. boyfriend. Sorry, DJ's boyfriend <laughs> of yeah. Full House. Uh, he only apologies. works in fours. Yeah. <laughs> but yes uh of full house and then uh so i got to interview him got to interview the director of uh hunt club uh she was very interesting uh, interesting to talk to and her ambassadorship with uh bringing awareness to human trafficking we also got uh interviews with the creators of the headmistress which wisconsin horror represent some guys who filmed literally in my old childhood stomping grounds it was great to learn and it just came out on streaming Space Boars, The Quest for Deep Star. I got a chance to interview the director and writer of that film that just hit uh, VOD now, a sci-fi indie film that's a lot of fun. All of those are on the Spoiler Room uh, channel, and hopefully within the next week will be up on YouTube as well. So now that I've put you all to sleep, Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, our live audience, our folks out there, we appreciate the support. Please subscribe to our channel so you don't miss all the great content we've got coming, especially for Skin Flicks Month. 
we got some interesting movies coming up. So until then, folks, we'll just say a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Hey, everyone, looking for more spoiler room goodness? Then head on over to patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to even more wonderful podcast content. Hear the conversation that happens before the live broadcast. You can also get access to an exclusive VIP episode that you vote on that's especially for you, or get early access to all our videos on YouTube, plus more. So check it out there, folks. And the more you do there, the more we can do here. And remember, with the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies.